Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle L. Frank and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. Welcome in to Fantasy Sports Daily, where we open with this simple, simple question. Do you remember about six weeks ago, maybe seven weeks ago, when Dallas, Philadelphia, and Miami were Super Bowl contenders? Do you, do you remember that moment? Because Ray Flowers, it seems like ages ago that those three teams were considered Super Bowl contenders, and uh, here we are. One week down in the playoffs, and all three of them have uh, had their season come to an end. It's been a wild year, and I, I guess it always is in the NFL. Uh, I think we tend to get lulled into a sense of, well, you know, there's just, these are just the three best teams, and that's how it's going to be. And we were reminded this year that's just not how it works, the any given Sunday line, the whole thing. But we saw teams uh, blast out to incredible starts this year, including the Eagles, who we'll talk about, who just fell on their face. And um, it that, to me, like you said – Three teams like that to just disappear the way it has, that might be historic, Kyle. It was a yeah. really rough week for the favorites. Well, and, and for me, Ray, it goes down as surprising mm-hmm. to see those storylines kind of alter over two months' time. The shocker to me, because, Ray, whether you, if you'd asked me in week one, or you asked me in week four, or eight, or 12, or 15, or week 18, or even if you asked me two days ago, Ray. Mm-hmm. I would have said, whoever the hell wins the NFC South, it's one and done. <laughs> you know? Whoever it is. And, Ray, here we are, the Dolphins, the Cowboys, and the Eagles are out, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are still alive. What the hell do we know anymore? The, the NFC South must have been better than we ever thought. <laughs> what we know is that the Niners and the Ravens better be pretty scared uh, because they're, the history's coming for them next, Kyle. We shall see. Uh, good to have you with us here on FSD. Of course, we come at you each and every weekday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern, where we talk uh, football, we talk basketball. We're going to do that with Justin Finsterman. And of course, we talk baseball. Uh, reminder, Ray's Draft Guide, the Fantasy Guru Draft Guide, Ray's Draft Guide, is out and available. <laughs> out and avail- I know there are other people, but Ray's Draft Guide is out. It's available. Uh, we talked about this yesterday. Uh, Ray, there it is. You get the cover boys, the cruise boys, you get all these rankings, you get rookies, you get research articles, you get a look back, you get a look forward. Oh, and also when you buy this thing, Ray, you get the entire season of 2024. You do. You get the entire season, uh, the coverage all year long from now through the World Series, all the articles, access to Discord. Uh, There's also the added bonus of the first of every month, obviously May 1st, June, July, August, September. I re- redo the entire rankings uh, as well. So all 600 players get redone. That way you know where your guys stand, you know, if you should be making trades, what have you. Uh, it's all available now, for, again, from now through the, the end of the, the season uh, over at fantasyguru.com. Use that promo code FSD20. Get you that 20% discount as well, Kyle. We will uh, have much more on the draft guide coming up. Our plan is to hopefully every day, time permitting, uh, kind of spotlight one of the articles in there give you a tease, give you a taste of what Ray's talking about. Um, And we will do that a bit later in the show. But let's hit you with the rundown for today's show. Of course, we were talking about the action that went down on Monday, where honestly, a bit of a surprise, I think. I mean, both games were kind of blowouts. I don't even know if kind of should be used. They were blowouts. Uh, Pittsburgh perhaps was not blown out, but you never felt that they were really in that game against Buffalo. Uh, The Tampa-Philly 
game was was a true blowout, and Baker Mayfield had his moment, maybe his best moment since being drafted into the NFL. You can say that. And, oh, yeah, he's due to be a free agent at the end of the season. Uh, now that we know, we can give you the week two playoff matchup, so we'll set you up for your Saturday and Sunday. Uh, we talked a lot last week about Ray and I being in a one-and-done fantasy uh, playoff league. Uh, we'll tell you how week one went and where we stand getting set for week two. Got some news and notes, um, injury news, coaching news, those kind of things. And then we're going to talk some uh, basketball with our buddy Justin Finsterman. Uh, we do that every Tuesday on the show, and we will get the latest from him. Um, I don't know about where Justin's at, but literally where I'm at, Ray, it's uh, three degrees. I do not show up in a tank top. I'm assuming it's pretty cold where Justin is at. I'm going to see if he's going to be tough enough to show up with a tank top for today's visit again. I have a behind-the-scenes the look, behind-the-curtain, pull it back. He showered this morning. So whatever he's wearing, <laughs> it's... Behind-the-scenes look, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Don't pull that curtain back. Uh, but he's showered, so he's ready to go. He did remember say that he was going to wait and to, to display the guns until he'd worked out a little bit more. So he may not be wearing a tank top today. We'll see. We shall see. We shall see. Let's get into uh, the Monday of uh, Wild Card Action, where we were surprisingly gifted two games. Uh, we had Buffalo and Pittsburgh delayed from Sunday. They, of course, played. It was still uh, pretty snowy, but I was disappointed. I was expecting snow to be falling during the game and didn't really get that. So, you know, woe is me. Um, I also thought Pittsburgh had a chance here. Dumb as me. Uh, Ray, they never got the running game going. They just didn't. It, it didn't work. I was surprised it didn't work. Um, you know, for anybody who I, I was thinking if I were in DFS, Ray, I would have double dipped on Warren and Harris and really wrote rid those to rode those. Two. Um, I would have failed miserably. Um, so I saw so I, I, I missed on that. And honestly, what's kind of weird about this game, Ray, is Josh Allen had a super, super effort. You know, his totals are great. Mm -hmm. And then other than that, everything was kind of blah. You know, even the guys who got touchdowns. They had 30 yards receiving or 40 yards receiving. Like Stefan Diggs had seven catches, but it was 52 yards and no touchdown. So this was like Josh Allen and then a bunch of just things happening. But nobody else really took off in this game yesterday. Yeah, jokingly yesterday said a 45% target share for Stefan Diggs. And then I dropped it down to 30% when put pressed. It was exactly 30%. <laughs> um, the the team and, and this, you know, the Dolphins, excuse me, the Bills are playing great football. They're winning these games. They're controlling games. We've seen this for a month and a half now. The interesting thing is a lot of it has just been Josh Allen. And I think, again, mm -hmm. we talked about this earlier, you know, a couple of weeks ago when we we're having all these discussions, is Lamar Jackson, the MVP. I'm telling you, the most important guy in football is Josh Allen, period. Okay. Now, should he win the MVP leading the league in turnovers? I'm not saying that. But I'm saying you take him away from this Bills team and it's over because it's yeah. all Josh Allen. And it's remarkable that they can consistently beat good teams, consistently put up points and do all these things where you look at the box scores, you're saying, Kyle, and maybe there's one guy besides Allen that does it, but this guy does everything. And I think it was no more obvious than on the long touchdown run where he just did it. I mean, it was Steve Young-esque. He just did it. He took the team and said, I'm going in this end zone. Here I go. Can't catch me, can't tackle me, and they won a football game. Yeah, and at that point it was 21-nothing, and it looked for all intents and purposes like it was going to end up 45 to 7. Mm -hmm. So I, I I give credit, Ray, to the Steelers for for fighting back and and kind of uh, putting up their dukes, if you will. Uh Mason Rudolph, hey, you know, this game he throws 39 passes. That gives you an indication of how this game went for the Steelers because Honestly, uh, other QBs, you have no problem throwing 39 passes. The Steelers have no interest in Mason Rudolph throwing the ball 39 times. 
I mean, they want 25 passes. And and I mentioned the running attack never get going. I mean, Harris and Warren Ray combining for 20 carries um, and what they get to 75 yards. I mean, just, just nothing there. So I, I will give credit to the Bills defense that played well. I thought the Steelers defense kind of figured their out their footing. But right now, you're you're 100% right. It is all Allen. And, you know, Diggs and Cook are, are there and Kincaid is there. But I, you know, it's it, like you look at this game this weekend against Kansas City. That's going to be a fun one, Kansas City coming to Buffalo. But like if you're if you're looking at DFS or you're looking at one and done, it's really hard to think about anybody but Josh Allen for the Bills right now. I mean, again, you're probably going to have to use a guy or two, but mm-hmm. it used to always be, man, you could count on digs for eight, 90 and a touchdown. Um, and that is long gone. It's that is still one of the craziest things, right? Like he's involved, he's getting targets, but the numbers have just absolutely eroded for Stefan Diggs, and it's now going on 10 weeks. It's it's a really significant fall from his usual standards. Yeah, and it's, you know, there's been whispers of strife away from the field. We've seen outward you know, stuff from Diggs, too. Uh, there's been whispers about injury. I don't really see that watching him, you know, yeah. run routes and cut. And so I'm not really seeing that. Uh, I think part of the problem has become, and they talked about it on the broadcast last night, it's that, you know, you look at this team as a defensive opponent, and what do you do? Who's who's beating you as a pass catcher? Stephon Diggs. Gabe Davis is not wasn't even on the field. Even when he's on the field, is he on the field? Right. I mean, you know, um, Knox is a good red zone threat, but he doesn't do anything in the between the twenties. Uh, Shakir made a great move on the touchdown, mm-hmm. broke the you know broke the grasp of Mika Fitzpatrick got in the end zone, but he's not a volume guy. You know, Hardy, come on. So it's Diggs and Kincaid. And most teams don't worry too much about a tight end catching five or six passes for 70 yards. They'll live with that. So defenses just focus on digs and they don't have a secondary option to take the defensive attention away from digs. And to Josh Allen's credit, the last couple of times out, he's seemingly understood that, right? Instead of trying to force the ball, let's turn the ball over and make, let's just pull back, take what the defense gives us and win a football game. Um, as for the Steelers, I, I think it's a bit of a surprise they got to this point. You know, just kind of getting to the playoffs is a, is a pretty big accomplishment because I don't think anyone considered them a playoff contender coming into the year. Um, I guess things broke right enough to where they got the 10 victories. Uh, but but you look at this, Ray, the quarterback issue is totally unsettled, like moving forward. And the, the, the receivers are hard to, to to get fired up about as long as the quarterback's an issue. And Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, that's probably still going to be a thing next season. I, I think it's fascinating to see what they do under center. And, and I know there was a lot of discussion after the game, and we saw the video with Mike Tomlin kind of just walking away from the podium after being asked about his contract. And what was it, 17, 18 years? It's it's amazing. It's the Steelers. It's how they run things. I, I wonder if there's any chance he moves on. And if he were to do that, Ray, I think it would be because he's looking at the quarterback situation and saying, I don't feel like starting over again and resetting the clock on another two or three years. He maybe he's come to the realization if he leaves that Kenny Pickett just can't be the answer, and they got to make some moves going into the offseason. Yeah, we talk about this with players all the time, and it is fair to bring it up with coaches. I mean, Mike Tomlin for all you Steeler fans that want to fire him, you're ridiculous. Yeah. Um, he's There's a great a coach, Ray. I run into Steeler fans here, you know, because they're all over the country, yeah. and <laughs> nobody likes the guy. They they, they kind of do, but they complain about him way more than you would ever expect yeah all they do is win all the time no matter who is there all it's it's shocking there are so many crappy organizations in football to think that anyone has a problem with this guy because they're not winning super bowls every three years 
you know, that's just not how it works, Dallas. That's just how it works. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but, you know, I think that if you're, if you are him, right. And you're sitting there and you're like, you're reading the press and you're seeing things and you're, people don't like you. It's like, screw you guys. I'm out. Yeah. I'm going to go coach a team. That's got a chance to win. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to pull a team on my back to nine or 10 victories and sneak into the playoffs over here. Let's win some games here. So mm-hmm. that, that organization, they, like we said before, and like you said there, they need a quarterback. They need a quarterback. I mean, got to remember too, yesterday, TJ Watt wasn't in that game. And, you know, that's, he's arguably the best defensive or most important defensive player in football, kind of the Josh Allen of defense. That could have changed the complexion of the game too. So I, yeah, I mean, you're going to, you might get what you wish for Steeler fans. I, I don't know why you're wishing for it, but I'd love to have Tom the coach of my team if I had some uncertainty under that position. You know, and in closing, I, you know, George Pickens had some moments yesterday. He's a talent. I get it. Um, you know, he's also got things that can blow up at any point in the middle of a game and he gets benched. Like you just don't know with him. Deontay Johnson is not exciting. We mentioned the backfield like next year, Ray, it's going to be hard to, I'll have to hold my nose if I'm drafting a Steelers player. I think and, unless something truly changes under center. Well, I think, yeah. I mean, and, and you saw this on that, especially on that one catch that Pickens made across the middle where he jumped up and twisted in the air and bent backwards. Mm-hmm. Dude is a ball. He is a baller. He is a baller, and and he is about this close away from blowing up like a bomb. He's chucking his helmet on the sidelines. He's pissed off all the time. He's, you're the one that dropped the ball, dude. You're the one that did the fumble. No one did that to you. He's a tremendous talent, but he's probably grown frustrated that for periods, I mean quarters, he just doesn't even get the football. He's got crappy quarterback play. They bring a quarterback in, and this all changes. If they go with retread city, if Gardner Minshew's brought in, if they keep these guys around – it could blow up next year for the Steelers. I agree. Uh, Bills advance another home game for them. They will get Kansas City again. We'll run you through the schedule in a bit. Uh, second game last night, Ray. This was the uh, the surprise to me. And and hey, going in, it wouldn't have stunned me if Tampa won. You know, things had set up pretty roughly for for the Eagles with AJ Brown being out and who knows what the true health is on Jalen Hurts. And you're kind of forcing Devonta Smith back out there. But Ray, to see it go down the way it did, thirty-two to nine, you know that leaves you scratching your head. And b- before we get to the the negativity of the Eagles, which I guess the Cowboys only have to deal with a day of people yelling about them, because now today we get to yell about the Eagles. But but Ray, with the Bucks, um, hey, I don't know. I'm not going to apologize to Baker Mayfield, <laughs> but to see Baker Mayfield have a good season and then a great playoff game is something I would have never bet on. Um, and I always love to rewind the clock at this point. Back in August, we were wondering who's going to be the QB, Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask. Mm-hmm. And there were questions, would the Bucks even win four or five games? And now they're into the second round of the playoffs, and they just beat the Eagles. Like, this, this is stunning what they pulled off. And it's kind of like the Bills, Ray. You, you look at this box score, and again, 32 points. The Bills had 31. Baker Mayfield had a game. And then after that, I guess Kate Otten. But like this was a game where they scored 30 plus without Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. And even with Rashad White, not really doing a whole lot in this game for the Bucs. Yeah, I I think that Evans and, and Otten officially dropped four passes. It might have been five. Okay. If anyone that watched that game, Baker Mayfield was on point. Mm-hmm. He was throwing balls in guys' hands and they were just dropping the ball in the first half. Just Otten right in his hand. Evans right in his hand, just dropping footballs. And I thought, well, this is going to be a problem, right? You can't make mistakes against the Eagles and still, well, there it didn't matter, right? So like you said, 
The Bucs won this game. I think the real issue they have moving forward is Mike Evans is going to be a free agent. Um, Godwin is a supporting piece. He's not a lead guy. Um, you mentioned last night Rashad White crapped the bed partly because he wasn't used as a pass catcher because they didn't need him. Yeah, one, catch, he, one catch, Ray, he has not been – that's the lowest total of the year. Yeah. And he's got a few games with two, mm-hmm. but he's a guy you expect to get five, six catches out of. He had one last night. We'll talk about our one-and-done teams later. Who had him in their lineup <laughs> yesterday? Um, you know, so he they don't run the football. The point was they don't run the football effectively. Mm-hmm. They need to work on that aspect of the game, right? So you, you're potentially losing your wide receiver one. You don't run the ball effectively. You're going to have to pay Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, this is as good as it gets. You better enjoy it. Because if Baker Mayfield's <laughs> sticking around, you're winning eight games every year. That's just how it is. They, or the 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 team doesn't have the talent well, let, around let Mayfield. Let me ask you, Ray. Let yeah. me, yesterday we were talking about Tua mm-hmm. and kind of the, the what's the future in Miami. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a big one this whole year has been Justin Fields. This Baker Mayfield thing, like he's a legit free agent. Tua and Fields are under contract and teams can come back. But like, what do you do if you're Tampa? Like, if if you say, "Hey, do we do we give Mike Evans three more years, or do we give six years to Baker Mayfield?" It's again, you find that QB with a pulse, and I guess we have to say Baker Mayfield has a pulse. Do, do you really let him walk? And and they don't have a high draft pick. Mm-hmm. They're, they're kind of in a salary cap crunch. That that's another really difficult decision as you look into the offseason for Tampa. Well, he's not getting 40 million, right? It's not going to go bananas. I don't I I don't think anyone's going to get an amount <laughs> per year. It's not going crazy. I mean, if if Baker Mayfield goes out in the next game and he throws for 112 yards and four picks, mm-hmm. really easy to say we're moving on. Yep. If he goes out and plays another good football game, even if they lose, he goes out and plays a good football game, you know, how do you tell your fan base, yeah, we're going on from that, we're bringing Gardner Minshew in? Like, how do you – and so it really comes – it'll come down to a negotiations. And, you know, does Baker say, thanks for giving me a job? I'll give you a little bit of discount. Does he say, thanks for giving me a job? Now I want to get paid. <laughs> you know, what can the organization pay? What are they willing – he will be a fascinating case because the numbers say he should get paid. This run toward the end of the season here, if it keeps – I mean, remember, though, last week against the Panthers, he was horrible. And the offense was horrible, and I think that's partly because he's beat up physically. But he has exceeded all expectations, and it's going to be a hard sell to the fans as well as the team to say we're not bringing this guy back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philadelphia, probably the bigger storyline coming out of this one. That's kind of how uh, the news cycle works. Uh, you know, who, who are you pissed off at? Uh, that that would be Philadelphia, Ray. And you talk about collapses. This is one people will remember for a long time. And sure, there are injuries, you know, and A.J. Brown last night, but the fact this offense just collapsed and, and fell apart and didn't seem to have any answers. Tampa is not much of a defense. Okay. So let's, let's not get carried away thinking that uh, they were up against a high fly and high charging defense. They've had a few good games this year, but nothing where you came into this and say, Oh yeah, they're going to keep the Eagles to 10 points or fewer. Nobody was saying that. And, and Ray, it's, it's wild to me how the discussion had changed because you know, it was, oh, you've got one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the NFL. You have an insanely great coaching staff who's really innovative with their play calling. Look at the skill you've got from DeAndre Swift. Look at how awesome your defensive line is. You know, the Eagles are this great franchise all of a sudden. And now, Ray, I, I click on things today, and here's here's the, the running storyline. The coaching staff needs to be changed. Sariani isn't as good as we thought. Uh, Jalen Hurts is a guy that uh, is limited when it comes to being a QB, and the team is now old. The roster is old. These guys, and, and all of that, Ray, is true. You'll see it everywhere. And 
I'm not saying who's right, who's wrong. And heck, I, you know, when the Eagles are flying high, we all said, oh, wow, what a great team. Mm-hmm. But it's just a reminder. We constantly forget this when we celebrate teams, celebrate players, and we just think, oh, they've got it figured out. They sure as hell don't. Okay. Detroit. Like right now, Ray, they're the toast of town. Mm-hmm. The Ravens are the toast of town. And we think, oh, there's no way. They're so good. You know, they're so strong. And and Philadelphia is an absolute example, Ray. It, it feels like after last night's loss, like we're walking around, you almost feel like they're going to go through a rebuild <laughs> this year. Yeah. That's what it feels like to read things. Like people are are screaming that they got to blow things outside of Jalen Hurts, blow it up. A.J. Brown's a disgruntled receiver. Move them out of here. You know, it's it's crazy how quickly the uh, the opinions flip-flop here with a losing streak like they had. Yeah, and Adam Schefter reported that Jason Kelsey, their center, is going to retire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there goes the tush-push. So <laughs> they're not going to have the success with him next without him there next year. You know, the, they were 10-1. and one. And I sat here talking to you and said, boy, this team, man, they're great. And they were at the time. And everyone was saying it. And when you go from being great to a team that is lost, and let's face it, they're lost. And, you know, they they were commenting on on the broadcast last night, right? It's like, well, we hate to be a broken record here, but here's a missed tackle. Here's a missed tackle. Here's a missed tackle. They they couldn't – I mean, they got rolled by the Tampa Bay Bucs. The Tampa Bay Bucs – who scored nine points and looked hideous against Carolina Panthers the week before, rolled them, rolled them, controlled the game from start to finish. And, you know, the, everything, when, when when there's no adversity, and everyone has adversity, but when there's no real adversity, you don't have four guys down with injury or nothing, everyone looks great. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of Eagles fans got, you know, they bought that. that, that we have the greatest coaching staff of all time. We have the greatest players of all time. You know, you take a guy here on defense, here the deep, this linebacker's out, this guy on the D-line, not, take wide receiver away, you know. And this is what the Niners were dealing with when you when the Eagles beat them last year. Like, the, come on, this is, you know, when you, so it's 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 wild. Uh, they, to, in my opinion, don't need massive changes. But when you end a season the way they did, their change is coming. You know, it's, it's wild with Hurts, Ray. And we did talk about this and – late October into November, and then would bring it up sporadically. I, I do feel like the knee – I can't remember what game. Was it the Buffalo game? or I think the Buffalo game was when he got bent over backwards. You're like, oh, my God, is he really going to stay out there? And he did, and he obviously played the rest of the season. But there was, you know, a knee injury earlier in the year. And, Ray, you can see it in the rushing totals. Um, in nine of the first 11 games, he had at least nine rushing attempts. And in seven of the first 11 games, he was over double digits. I mean, there, there are games here, 14, 15, 10, 12, 10, 12, 11. I mean, it's all over the place. And then, Ray, if you look in the last, what is this, seven weeks, he had one game of nine rushing attempts. Last night, one. And, and Ray, I, I look at that and knowing that there was something going on with the knee, I, I think, and, and it's hard to believe that would crater and offense like he was still out there and he was still throwing the football and touchdowns were okay I mean there's not huge games here but he was still out there but I I just wonder if you know when you got to the point where Jalen Hurts maybe couldn't push it as a runner you couldn't count on that for him to be a, a mobile moving quarterback did that really just pull the plug on the entire Eagles offense I think that 
you know, his ability with his legs and his arm is unique, right? There's only a couple of quarterbacks in football that can do things like he does. So having him limited in any aspect does obviously change what you can do because he's the X factor, like, right? You can plan everything out. Everything goes wrong. Here he goes, right? A lot of quarterbacks, everything goes wrong. They get sacked. I mean, they can't Mm -hmm. do that. I think it is fair to point out that A.J. Brown was hurt late. Devonta Smith missed some time. Dallas Goddard obviously missed some time. So when you start talking about pulling away elite weapons from an offense, that's going to hurt an offense. But I do think that, you know, we talked about this. Jeff Manns pointed out the mechanics of of Hertz was off. Uh, Obviously, there's been a lot of discussion about play calling with this team. I mentioned the three main guys, you know, going down with injury, missing some time. I think there's a lot of everything just cracked, like cracks in the foundation. Everything just cracked. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. there was no way that they had – they didn't have the glue to put it back together in time. And, you know, when you – you can lose – you can end the season with a loss, and it's like, all right, we lost. Damn it. They ended the season with loss, loss. They ended the season losing. And that's really hard to overcome because what do you do now? You're just sitting there, and the natural human reaction is, we need to do something because this was just crap for a month and a half. Yeah, and uh, very quiet last night. They went quietly into the offseason, much like Dallas. But as Ray noted, this was not just a one-and-done, oh, my gosh, can you believe This was seven weeks of uh, blah. And, you know, we compare and contrast them to the Steelers, Ray. Um, People are still going to be in on Philly. You know, maybe not as highly, but, you know, if A.J. Brown sticks around, he's probably a wide receiver one. Devonta Smith, a wide receiver two. Jalen Hurts, a top five, top six quarterback. Um, I would think DeAndre Swift, Ray, is that an RB2? Well, probably an RB2, yeah. right? I think it's an RB2, but I think it will be very interesting how prognosticators view the offense with the loss of Jason Kelsey because a lot of people basically have said the tush push works because of him. Hmm. So he's retired. Does that mean that the 15 touchdowns that we got on the ground from our quarterback now becomes six or seven or eight or nine? And now the five touchdowns from Swift becomes eight or 10. So that'll be interesting, but I think running back two is fair. Okay. Uh, That sets us up now for the uh, upcoming weekend, the divisional round, Uh, two games on Saturday, two on Sunday. So just real quickly, we'll dig into this a lot more uh, later in the week, but we got Houston at Baltimore to get things rolling. 430 uh, is the kickoff on Saturday. Fun one on Saturday night, Green Bay at San Francisco, 815 is the start time there. And then, of course, we do it again on Sunday. Tampa and Detroit. Who saw that one coming? <laughs> Ray, I, you know, has that matchup ever been cool? Like, even in the history of the two franchises. Because you know, Tampa and Detroit, you know, they used to play in the, uh, God, why is the name escaping me? The NFC, not the North. It was, uh, what, what they was called it? Was it the North? I'm drawing a blank, too. Yeah, what the, the old name, maybe it was the, or the, whatever it was. But, Ray, they, they were always kind of joker franchises. You know, they were never good. And even when Tampa was good, Detroit wasn't on those rare occasions. And now they're in different divisions and conference, in different divisions at least. So they don't meet as often. But, Ray, I remember being a kid and it was like, you know, you'd have these clashing colors of the ugly creamsicle of the Bucks, And then at the time, the the, the Lions kind of had a, a, a very um, beat down baby blue look. You know, it wasn't like something that popped on the screen. And so now, Ray, this is like the first time I can really remember this game mattering when these two teams meet in the second round of the playoffs. The defunct NFC Central, Kyle. Central? Okay, it was the Central. What a dumb name. It had uh, Chicago, it had Detroit, it had Green Bay, and it had Tampa for some reason. <laughs> yeah, well, the Atlanta Braves used to be in the NL West. Yeah. You never know. Uh, yeah, the 
it's the and I, by the way, just to, I hate those creamsicle uniforms. I know people love them. I hate them. Um, but yeah, this is in this is not a storied matchup in the history of the NFL. It's got all kinds of storylines now. Yeah, they've played a lot over the history. It's just yeah. never mattered. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is going to be. You know, we'll go into the game, of course, with the Lions being the, the favorites, and we'll get all the stories again. But uh, it, that's yeah. I mean, I think it's good too. It you know, as, as much as the NFL wants, and the world always says, "Oh, well, Dallas is out. No one's watching." Yeah. Everyone's watching the football games in the playoffs. It doesn't matter who's playing. It doesn't matter for the NFL, and it's good for the league. It's good for the for the sport to have some diversity there. And they've done a, obviously a very good job of it. Um, of since the Patriots, right? We're getting a little bit of mix and match here. And it's kind of good to see some new blood involved, at least in my opinion. So it's going to be 3 o'clock on a Sunday. And then uh, probably the most anticipated game is the finale on Sunday night. Kansas City at Buffalo, a 6.30 kickoff. As uh, I believe this is right, Ray, the first time in the history of Patrick Mahomes, he's going to have to go on the road in the playoffs. How so, amazing uh, is that? Yeah, pretty amazing, but it really also is. speaks to how good he's been and how good the Chiefs have been. Um, okay, Ray, we're done with one and done for week one. Uh, we talked about this a lot last week, kind of building team strategies. You know, I, I love this. I think you enjoy it. Uh, how did week one go for you in the uh, one and done league? Uh, Matthew, well, I'm in multiple ones, but I chose the ser- the serious one. Is that the one you did, Kyle? Yeah, the serious. Yeah. Okay. So in that league, Matthew Stafford was really good. Uh, Aaron Jones was a superstar. Rashad White was a total flameout. Uh, Kyron Williams, total flameout. Nico Collins was really good. Tyreek Hill was fine. Cooper Cup, total flameout. Uh, David Njoku was was good. Brett Maher was good. And then the Cleveland Browns defense got a minus, uh, and they were a flameout. So I had about four hits and four flameouts, Kyle. And overall, I had 143 points. He smoked me, Ray. And and I was at I was below 120. Um, and I had some of the same names. I had Stafford. I had Kyron Williams. Uh, I had Cooper Cup. David Njoku. You know, my, my issue here was I got nothing for my receivers. I had four starting receivers this week, um, and I got Amon Ross St. Brown to 18. That was good. Mm-hmm. But nobody else even got to 10 points. Uh, that includes Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, and Cooper Cup. Uh, now, the beauty of this setup, and this is why I truly enjoy it, is I'm still alive. And I don't know what everybody used, Ray, and who they used and who they have left. I'm looking. Let's see. Who was the uh, leader? in this particular league, Dan Claskins of uh, Fantastics. And he had a massive week, Ray. Um, let's see. He used Pacheco, who wasn't massive, but let's see. And Nico Collins, like you did. Oh, he had Puka. Puka was oh. the big lift for him. Oh. And he had Jake Ferguson. So you talk about extremely, no offense to Dan. That's extremely fortunate, but yeah, <laughs> well, yeah it is. Yeah, but yeah. He did it. it, he did well, it. Here was the thing with tight ends this week, Ray. I, I remember, and this was, I worked under the assumption Laporta wasn't going to play. So I looked at the list of tight ends in week one, and the only two guys I could really consider were Njoku and Ferguson, as I saw it. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I wasn't really interested in anybody else. Mm -hmm. I went the Njoku route. You went the Njoku route. But my number two was Ferguson's. And I get it. Nobody would ever call for three touchdowns. But I figure a lot of people actually maybe got that because the field was just a little thin. You know, you want to save Kelsey and mm-hmm. some of these other guys uh, for later in the playoffs. You don't want to play Kelsey in negative five-degree weather. So I think it was only like two, maybe three tight ends. Kincaid maybe people were looking at, but the weather was a factor there. So I'm guessing a lot of people had Ferguson. 
It's interesting. Dan, like you said, had this huge week, uh, 192 points, which is 50 points more than my team had. 40% of our team was the same. <laughs> so it's like that. And that's how it's interesting in the playoffs, right? That yeah. you get that, that crossover there. But yeah, I think that I, I, and again, that's why you, we chose it. I think the smart move was to go with Njoku, right? Yeah. And, and again, he had 16 points. It's perfectly solid game. Uh, just Jake Ferguson decided to have the best game of his life with those three touchdowns. Well, and here's the beauty as far as I, like I didn't have a good week, admittedly. But the beauty of this one in Dunray is I have everyone from Houston available, everyone from Baltimore and San Francisco available, obviously. I didn't use a single Packer last week. Um, I used Mike Evans from the Bucks, but that's it. Detroit, I'm a little thin because I did use both Montgomery and Gibbs as well as St. Brown. Okay. So about all I've got there is Laporta and Goff, which might be used this week. I might use both those guys. Um, Kansas City, I didn't play anybody. And Buffalo, I didn't play anybody. So outside of Detroit, Ray, like seven of these eight teams, I'm still with loads of options to choose from. Yeah, I think that in, in as we start to shrink this down, there might be a lot of similarity in the teams moving forward, too, because we, we're losing big teams that we all expected. That the I don't think everyone expected, but Eagles, right? Certainly everyone expected the Cowboys to emerge. Yeah. So if you didn't use those guys in week one, you don't have them available. And I think the majority of the field probably didn't, right? So it'll be interesting to see if we get, you know, if we get the Ravens or the Niners knocked out, if they miraculously lose their first game here in the playoffs, I bet that's going to change a lot because I don't think many people are probably going to use either of those guys' players this week either, Kyle. Yeah, it's like cool that I have Packers, but do I want to use them against the 49ers? <laughs> Who knows? But last week, would you want to use them against the Cowboys? Probably not. They went for, what, 48 points? So no issue going against those Cowboys. Uh, so that is where we stand on the one and done later in the week. Ray and I will kind of see where we're leaning as we get for those week two builds. We will tell you that Noah Brown will not be on Ray's one and done team. He won't be on mine either. Uh, he was actually placed on IR by the Houston Texans, so the season is over. Uh, back injury for him, which is worrisome. You know, back injuries. I, I don't know if it's fair, but like Ray, when I see a knee injury, it's like, oh, he'll be back. Right. Good injury, he'll be back. You know, shoulder, he'll be back. Back injury, it's like, well, he may be back, but is he really going to be ever right? And, and that's just one of those injuries that you can survive through i don't know if it's ever great as an nfl player well i don't know if it's great as i talk about my back issues all the time it's like i have to stretch and do things and all i do is sit in a chair so yeah if it's a true issue not like just a pull muscle or something you know re he'll rehab as, as best you can but back issues you know you that's tough that once once that starts going it's hard to stop it one last thing on the football side, no coaching hirings, although there are tons of reports about interviews and requests here, requests there. Dan Quinn, uh, his Cowboys got ousted. Uh, his defense did not look good against Green Bay, but uh, he will have plenty of suitors. I think the number I saw was four. Um, sounds like Bill Belichick, Ray, has interviewed with the Falcons. Mm -hmm. I guess he has every intention of sticking around. I, I mean, I look at this, with, and again, I'm not wired this way, but if I'm Nick Saban, if I'm Bill Belichick, if I'm Pete Carroll, it's like, dude, I'm in my 70s. Can I enjoy my life? Maybe this is enjoyment to them, Ray. But gosh, I, I just wonder why you keep doing this. It's it's a real, I don't know if 24-7 is fair, but it's a 27. 
job <laughs> probably for these guys well it's it's weird too because you you know you always you get the cal ripkins and the barry sanders they had to play for the one organization obviously bilicek has coached for more than one team but he's so identified with the patriots like mm-hmm. does he go to another organization and you know win seven games for two years and then retires and no one remembers 30 years from now or does he go and have that success and yeah. you know it's not going to taint his legacy by any means but there's so many greats that end up doing this where they go somewhere just for a year or two and it usually kind of flames out right Ray, i wonder you know you say it wouldn't taint his legacy i i wonder if it would if he like he goes to atlanta and let's say in two years they win eight games ten games you know well under 500 and that'll be in effect like three four straight losing seasons all of them without tom brady and and people will say well you know it was awesome they were great they were a dynasty but it wasn't so much bill belichick it was the greatness of brady whereas if he just leaves ray he leaves as like probably the best coach ever. Mm-hmm. Um, if he goes to a team like Atlanta and let's say they make the playoffs, well, he's still just the best coach ever. <laughs> it's like, you know, maybe, maybe he feels he needs to prove he's the best coach ever. Maybe Yeah, there's better. there's a lot out there uh, which stuns me where people kind of seem to think Tom Brady made Bill Belichick, and it's wild. It's just wild that they don't understand the history of who he is, what he did before he was with the Patriots. They give Bill Belichick zero credit for developing Tom Brady, giving Tom Brady the opportunity. Um, when when this, you know, 5, 10, 20 years down the road, we'll get the NFL films and stuff when, you know, Bill Belichick passes away and all that, and everyone will say he's the greatest coach of all time. It's going to happen. So realize it now, folks. Realize, you know, who, who we're talking about here. Uh, I would love to see him go to a, a place and get an opportunity. We talked about the Falcons, you know, on the surface – that seems like a, a good place for him to go if he wants to keep coaching. Well, and, and I understand the shorthand, Ray, because if I ask anybody right now, you, anybody listening, um, who built Facebook? And also Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. yeah. Who built Microsoft? Bill Gates. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this single individual. And like, we don't understand. <laughs> There's a lot more going on than just Bill Gates making a decision. And, oh, my God, they're the most powerful you know, and like the Steve Jobs thing, I get it, brilliance and all that. But there's a lot of other people. Same with a football team. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much going on. It's it's not a Belichick or Brady. Whose side do you got? It's, oh, it's Belichick. It's Brady. It's the assistant GM. You know, they, and it's shorthand. It's a better story to say, you know, Bill Belichick doesn't matter and Tom Brady does. But understand there's always more than just the guy at the top, <laughs> I would say. Like, you know, this show. It's not just the Kyle Elfrig show. It isn't. There's other people involved. I I know people want to say that, but it's not. There's there's other people involved, including our next guest who's joining us to talk some NBA. Uh, Does it every Tuesday. He is joining us. We're waiting to see if he's got uh, sleeves or not, because I'm guessing it's cold where he's at. Let's bring him in. Justin Finsterman is with us. Sleeved Justin Finsterman. It must be. Damn cold in your neck of the woods, huh? Oh, microphone, Justin. Nope. Hit that microphone. All right, there we go. Uh, Ready to internet streaming for once if his microphone was off. You know what? <laughs> I actually ended a streak because ever since we've gotten into this internet sports streaming world, that has never happened to me before uh, today. And I was so glad that on all the shows. It happened with the two guys that will probably never invite me on again. <laughs> but thanks no, for having no, me. Not true. And no. yes, by the way, 
you guys know this, announced it last week on your show. Arms are under construction until summertime. (laughs) If you still have me on in June, I will unveil my work. Rome was not built in a day, Justin. So take your time. (laughs) We don't expect you to show up, you know, yoked out, as they say. Like Phil Backer. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, okay, basketball. I, I guess I, I want to lead with a, a name probably most of our audience has never heard of, um, which I don't even know if I, I I probably hadn't until two, three days ago. Gigi Jackson is a rookie in Memphis. And I guess he's the hot pickup. They, Memphis has got issues. John Moran is the big one. And I guess Gigi Jackson has become the thing for the, for the Grizzlies. What's going on here? There's a lot. You guys remember Y2K. From the year 2000, right? What was supposed to happen with Y2K? Well, it never happened for the most part. What's going on in Memphis right now is how I imagine Y2K would have gone. Everything's breaking down. Everyone's breaking down from this team. Desmond Bain is now going to miss a month and change with this. And it's just... You're already missing all of your guards. No more John Morant. Marcus Smart is hurt. Desmond Bain's hurt. Rose is hurt. I mean, when it comes to Gigi Jackson, Kyle, here's the thing with him. I mean, 6'9 forward who played at South Carolina. He wasn't even that good of a shooter in college. This guy was a 32% shooter from downtown. Not so great, around 30% in general. But he's been hitting his threes. And is he going to hit five threes a game? Because it's not really the toughness that I'm impressed with. It's that... He's been able to hit his three-pointers, but the rebounding we did see in his one year at South Carolina last year. So we've seen the rebounding in the blocks as well. And look, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Santi Aldama can use a little bit of help on the wing so they can play more in the post. So we'll have to see if they keep giving this guy some serious run. Justin, who are you wearing there, by the way? I know it's a Golden State jersey. It is, Ray. It's Stephen Curry. Okay. It is. My nephew will love that. Um, I don't even know why. I don't know how you can love this team right now. They're not even fun to watch anymore, right? Justin, I didn't ask you a question about the Warriors. Okay, <laughs> not, <bad>. yet. <laughs> yeah, not yet. Um, Washington Wizards, Detroit Pistons, trades, four players involved. Talk us through the trade. Uh, talk us through the implications in the fantasy space as well. Let, let me say, this isn't the trading manure for manure? From these two teams yeah it's like you're trading your utility bigs and stuff like that it's like you just wanted to make a trade to make a trade but what this was for detroit was this was a way to shed some salary because marvin bagley surprisingly you don't think the guy is worth five dollars let alone 12 and a half million over the next year so they moved him to to washington and what washington did was they attached a couple of second round draft picks because As we talked about, draft picks are king when it comes to capital these days. So actually, guys, here's the interesting thing about this trade. Daniel Gafford just got hurt, might be in concussion protocol now. So Bagley could be walking into some serious minutes here. We didn't see him in the Wizards' last game because he had just been traded. But if they give him the green light, he could be easily looking at about 30 minutes or so right off the bat because they also traded the Wizards Mike Mascala, Bucknell's finest from the Patriot League right there where American University is, of course. Mike Mascala now a member of the Detroit Pistons as well. So they don't really have much behind Daniel Gafford. So Marvin Bagley is going to be walking into some relevancy for about the first few weeks here. And we'll see if they like him a lot and they just divide up their minutes. This team isn't going anywhere. Might as well see what you have in Bagley if you're going to have him for at least the next, I guess, half a season on both sides. Because by next year at the trade deadline, 
he's going to be an expiring contract, thus becoming an asset. Former Warrior great Rick Barry, the underhand free throw. Your thoughts, Justin? I actually really did like Rick Barry. I like the way they they played. But that Warriors team, you could tell me if I'm wrong, they weren't supposed to win the title back then. It was part of one of the surprising championships back then. It was really, you're looking at the Suns and the Boston Celtics that were kind of dominating the field. The Lakers were retooling. The Bucks were retooling back then. But, man, that Warriors team is kind of one of those random teams like the 4 Pistons to win a title. Well, I, I will say in, in sports, and this is like a good contest. If you're ever at a bar with friends and you think, like, what's your favorite, like, sports term? I, I would give a vote to the granny shot. I think that's a funny name for what it is, the granny shot. Because <laughs> you can see every granny, that's how they'd shoot a free throw. So I I, I give that my guys, vote. Let me, let me ask hard. you guys, let me throw it back to you. With the amount of big men in the league that shoot under 60%, under 50%, it's kind of easy to learn how your momentum works. I don't know why. Nobody's going there. back to the granny but, but I don't they know should. why. If they're, if they're shooting 40% from the line and they're getting fouled every other play and it's not working out, why not? It's not that hard to learn your momentum and to be able to get a consistent motion underhand. People just don't want to look, think they are looking stupid doing yeah, it. Well, yeah. they do look stupid. It's not thinking they look stupid. But if they, can, if they can shoot 70 to 75% from the line, that's smart then, isn't I, it? I got, I got news for you. They, they're, they're not going to figure out how to make a granny shot if they can't make a free throw <laughs> shot. That's not going to change their number. They, they're just no good at it. They're seven foot two, and there's too much stuff going on. But their hands are the whole ball, and their elbows are popping out. The granny, I mean, it's like softball. <laughs> you throw the underhand softball. It, People can pitch softball for 35 years, never have an arm problem. Your arm is not built to do up things. It's built to do under things. That's the construction of the shoulder. Come on, Kyle. It's all about the momentum. That's really what it comes down to with, with the granny shot. And I don't honestly, I don't know in, a, in the age where if you make fun of someone, you're canceled. Why don't they just try it out and see if it improves their percentage? I, I want to see somebody shoot three-pointers granny style. Like when they catch it, <laughs> they get away with that. So you imagine taking two steps and then doing that? Yeah. Um, okay, Warriors. Draymond Green's back. Does anybody care? I mean, like fantasy-wise, is Draymond Green worth a damn anymore? Yes, he is. He actually okay. is because this team is so pathetic. Ray, I don't know how you watch this Warriors team. Or root for them at this point. They don't do anything right. They're not even they're not even fun to watch anymore. They're one of the most frustrating teams in fantasy. They don't commit to a big man, which is why Draymond Green coming back actually does make him very appealing when it comes to fantasy and also likely from a DFS standpoint for about maybe two or three games. And then all of a sudden these sites will just price them up. They're going to have to start him again. He's going to start. They'd be stupid not to start him. They don't have anybody else that can commit to offense and defense consistently. That's a big man. They don't like Kavon Looney. Sarich can help stretch the floor a little bit. Kaminga is really pissed off at the team right now. They're, they're at this point screwed. They need this guy at this point if they're going to even sniff the play-in tournament. Let's stay out west and in California. What the hell's going on with the Lakers, Justin? Let's bash the Warriors. Might as well bash the Lakers, too. Yeah, let's do that, Ray, because there's another team that just they don't play any defense. And it's so weird for a guy. It's one thing when Anthony Davis is not playing. but And this has been frustrating for DFS because I'm drawing a lot of these Lakers slates. And every freaking slate, both Davis and LeBron, are questionable. And we don't hear any of the news until the slate has got locked for two hours and it's annoying having to build around the Lakers and having to build contingencies. But here's the thing with Anthony Davis and we've been able to escape with a few point props for centers. 
He doesn't stop anyone from scoring. I don't know why. He's wingspan-wise one of the most dominant big men, and everyone's able to score on him, even the undersized centers. I really don't know why. So if he's not stopping anyone, no one at the post is stopping anybody. And the team also plays quickly, so the slower teams have pace advantages as well. They've had to retool their point guard because D'Angelo Russell is a complete joke and he's allergic to defense. So what you do is you put LeBron at point. Okay, that's great. But LeBron's getting older and it's not getting easier and little injuries are starting to essentially stay with him, even if he plays. That's the problem, guys. You're built around two guys that are banged up, one of them old as hell, and you don't really have really many future pieces. Austin Reeves has been a non-factor for the most part this year. So they've got a lot of problems if it all starts with defense and they're not going to be able to contend against the current contenders in the West. I'm going to make sure to text LeBron here and tell him that you called him older than hell. Was that the, the phrase? Is that it? And I, it's no disrespect to him, but you need somebody that could be a great two-way player to play with him now. You you need someone. Are you younger than LeBron? You are, aren't you? I What's that? You're younger than LeBron, aren't you? Yes, by two years. Oh. He graduated in 03. I graduated in 05 from high school. 10-day okay. contract, Justin. 10-day right. contract. <laughs> Justin immediately got a job in radio out of high school, I bet. You know, just like LeBron skipped college, yeah. go to the NBA. His, he was so talented. That was the same for you, Justin. They wanted you to get in the media immediately out of high school. You know what, man? Honestly, if I would have realized that you could potentially get a job in media without graduating in high school, <laughs> I would have gotten a job when I was 15 in radio. You, if you I didn't understand you like you need no credentials. You don't no, need I mean, a, a only, The <laughs> only people that were on like CBS for kids and all that were the people that's parents put them in the Mr. Cheez-It broadcaster team of the year. And I was never put in those contests. Yeah. But if I think about it now, I would have, I would have probably asked my parents to walk me door to door, station to station and be like, Hey, look, this guy's crazy. He's got energy. Let him do something for you. And Marv Albert would have said, you bet. Come on down. Kid. Well, come on, Kyle. You got to set me up. He would have said, yes. And yes. Again, bring him in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, okay. Lakers down. Warriors down. Jazz. Up. Utah Jazz. What's I, I looked at it. 12 and 2. I think it is. Right. Yep. For Utah. Am I right here? 12 yep. and 2 since before Christmas. What's going right for Utah? Who, Fantasy-wise, who, who are we excited oh, about? Oh, man, my new favorite player to bet on when it comes to the elite mafia in the betting discord for NBA, Lowry Markinen. We hit another nice prop with him. His offense is really coming alive. He's been excellent when it comes to that. And also, their guards have been producing, too. With Utah, they weren't fully healthy for a while. Now we're seeing exactly what they have in their arsenal and they have been excellent. Everyone from Jordan Clarkson, even coming off the bench, Colin Sexton has been solid too. So they actually have a few strong players and they have some size, which they don't need them to do a lot. Like the Lakers need Anthony Davis to do so much. They don't need guys like Kelly Olynyk and Walker Kessler to do too much, except plug the middle. And that's all that they need to do. So they have a lot more depth than you think. And guys, this team doesn't lose at home. They're 15 and five at home. And it's really good to see because they're such a terrible road team, but they just don't lose at home. 
And when I was looking at their matchup last night, and the Pacers lost a few players, they didn't have others coming in. They don't have Halliburton. But still, seeing Utah be able to run at a nice pace like that because they've moved up and up the pace chart, that's going to be very beneficial when they face any of the nine teams in front of them. Speedy pace, more possessions, higher ceiling for our DFS production. Just another team having success is the Cavaliers, LeBron's former team. Uh, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley are continuing to miss time. What is working for this team? What is allowing them to continue to be one of the better teams in basketball recently? So they've been able to rely on Jared Allen more. And Jared Allen is not known to be a good defender. But he is doing one thing right. On the ball, he's been awful. And it's funny. I feel like sometimes I could be an assistant coach to one of these teams because I see a consistent problem with him and it's footwork. And you just need this guy to just plant his feet more and not be so quick to try to jump into the opposition. But he's been playing well. You're seeing it in the stats. Donovan Mitchell really running the point on this team has been massive. It's been key. And he's also been a pretty good defender as well, just like Darius Garland was. So he's been helpful. And then they've gotten some sparing help from Karis LeVert, who we saw once again last night be able to produce. So this team has just enough depth to make up for what they don't have up front. A lot of their front court guys, more better reality players than fantasy studs. But Jared Allen's been able to do everything in the middle. Donovan Mitchell running point has been a genius move. And they've been getting just enough from everyone else. It's almost like they've got to name a utility player that decides to shoot well rather than everybody on the bench not shooting well. And their defense has still been good, and that's been keeping them above water. Justin Finsterman is uh, with us every Tuesday <clears throat> here on Fantasy Sports Daily. It's a light slate, by the way, tonight. Uh, just three games, but they are three enticing matchups. Uh, Nuggets at the Sixers, Kings at the Suns, and Thunder at the Clippers. Um, I, I looked at, if you combined all six of those teams, they are combined, I think, 63 games over 500. So uh, good action, nonetheless. Uh, obviously, uh, more of a... DFS tournament slate as well on the three-game slate. Tomorrow, we should remind people a lot more NBA action. And Justin, watch along Wednesday. Coming people's yep. way tomorrow, right? That's right. Watch along Wednesday tomorrow, 7 p.m. Took a one-week sabbatical, but we're back in action. We got a bunch of games, 10 games on tomorrow night's slate. And we're going to be talking about how to beat these teams. We're going to be talking about how to take advantage of them when facing them for DFS and matching up. And from the team in general, having a lot of great conversation regarding tonight, Kyle. And we, you know, with these slates, we don't have anything crazy written up when it's three games or fewer. However, we'll be doing all of our lineup building in the discord chat. It'll be me and Armando Marsal from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. when the slate locks. And I'll tell you this, it's going to be a doozy because the Denver Nuggets have five starters, right, like every team does. All five of them are questionable to play. It could be <laughs> a load management day, Ray. You like load My management, favorite. Ray? Yeah. Ray? Ray, how many load management days do you get? None. I get I none, just like Michael Jordan, who played all 82 games when he was 39 years old. Listen, <laughs> man, I see that baseball draft guy, no low ma load management for Ray Flowers, <laughs> tell you that much. Uh, Ray could whip all these NBA guys into shape. Damn get right. out there! Play the game! Granny style. Yeah, but we, we could be having problems because we don't know at this point who's going to be playing for Denver against Philly. So good luck. Well, to I, I got to, I think somebody called me from the Denver area code. Well, actually it was Philadelphia because they're there tonight. So maybe they're getting a hold of me for tonight. 
And I will go to the free throw line and shoot a granny shot. Do it, man. If, it, if you can shoot 75%, then why not? You'll get I actually like my odds better normal. You guys think you would shoot better granny style over no, normal? I do. I honestly really? do. Yeah. Right? I tried. I'm going to say no. Yeah. But I, if I practice as much underhand as overhand, I think that the physics of it makes sense. I think that, yeah, you'd, you'd make more money. You'd win more games. Yeah, you get made fun of. Who cares if you're making more money and winning more games? Exactly. There's a reason why it existed at one point, because Rick Barry realized he can't shoot them overhand. So he was smart. Well, you, you might get a uh, sponsorship with like Depend Diapers too. Become <laughs> really good at it and famous. They'd be like, <laughs> you guys had like you guys got like a sleep number bed like five <laughs> six years ago. I remember yeah, that. No, I'm still on it. Right? Wow. You still use your sleep number? I love my sleep number. Yeah, still got it rocking it. Yeah. Yep. If you had started out of high school, Justin, you too would have a sleep number. Bed. I know. I was so jealous of you guys when I was working with you, and you're like, "Oh, I got a free bed. I like setting number 15. <laughs> 65, Justin. Yeah, I'm sitting there with the bed folded up, my legs in the air. It's great. It's awesome. Uh, Justin, we'll talk to you next week. Take care. Thanks, guys, for having me again. Uh, you heard Justin mention the uh, baseball draft guide. Um, as noted, you know, a few minutes every day, we'll kind of uh, mention an article. Maybe a new one, maybe one that's been posted uh, today, Ray. Um, and again, people can subscribe. You see the information, um, you know, FSD 20, get a $50 package for 40, get the whole season of season long baseball. Ray, the history of MLB rookie production. Um, everybody loves their rookies, do they mm -hmm. not? But mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, not all rookies are created equal. And I guess you got an article in the draft guide that uh, digs into that assumption. Yeah, we do. And that today's actually rookie day. Um, right now, I think five of the six rookie articles are posted. Rob Povia will have his dynasty article out a little bit later today. Looking back at 2023, how are the top 50? How did the top 50 perform? Who are the top 50 this year? Scouting reports for the all the rookies this year for the hitters and for the pitchers. And then this article talking about the history of the rookie production. And, you know, I think it's every year people think they're going to win by drafting the hot youngster. Sometimes it works. Corbin Carroll last year was magnificent. Mm -hmm. But if we look at the history of this, if we look at the history of the guys that we expect to be superstars as youngsters, we're not good at predicting this. And I don't just mean, you know, us in the fantasy space. I mean, everyone. And there are a lot of reasons for that. And I think one of them is right listed at the bottom of that little video uh, screenshot we've got going there. Players develop differently. There's not a linear pace to this. Byron Buxton was the number one prospect in baseball for multiple years, multiple years, according to everyone. And it took him years to find his footing. And injuries obviously have, have you know buried him too. But you look back at history, Jerkson Profar was the number one prospect at one point. You know, and it's like there's there's a whole litany, and I've I've got the, the the listing in the article where we go through each year over the last decade and say, who are the top 20 guys? How did they do? You know, were they a hit? Were they a miss? Were they a pass? And the data is pretty clear that again, guys have success as rookies, but most of the time, most of the time, a good deal of the time when those guys have success in their first season, it's not the guys we're talking about in January, February, and March. I, I have, and again, maybe you got the numbers, but I feel like Ray rookie pitchers are all over the place. And it's just a, it's a big leap from triple A to the majors. And so many of these, none of them, I would say are turned loose. Like you, they have no consistency for innings or, you know, starting every five days. 
I will say, on the other hand, I feel like stud rookie hitters, guys that have been promoted as, you know, a top five prospect in baseball, they've been pretty damn good. Not all of them have been hits, but you like bring up Carroll, you know, Bobby Witt was one of those guys. And as I look at this um, posting you have, you know, the image of the, you know, kind of your bullet point uh, package, uh, number three at the bottom, the rookie needs uh, to have a spot in the major leagues. Th that is something I think a lot of people overlook. And a lot of times, like Bobby Witt's the example I like to use. Kansas City's awful. Kansas City has nowhere to turn if Bobby Witt fails. They're going to just use him. And if you look at his rookie year, Ray, he didn't hit. He got, came out and was hitting 200 strikeouts and everything. They just had to keep sending him out there. They should have. They, you know, what, what else do they got? They, they got to play Bobby Witt. And when it was all said and done because of plate appearances, games played, the guy totaled very good numbers. Mm -hmm. He figured it out. He battled through the, the strains and the, the challenges. Last year, Ray, more of the same. I mean, just... So like these rookies, it's it's one thing to say, oh, they're they're going to get a shot or a call up, mm -hmm. but you got to make sure these guys that even if they struggle, will they still have a spot with contending teams? They usually don't contending teams will go in another direction, but with lousy teams and there's like seven or eight of them a year, Ray, lousy teams. If a rookie gets called up, they usually are going to play them and just let them fail. And, and that playing time will eventually add up to maybe some fantasy hits. Yeah, and that's mentioned in the article, too, that that's one of the biggest issues we deal with, obviously. Even if the player is ready, right, what's their opportunity? You know, are they called up because the team thinks they're ready and they're going to play the rest of the way? Are they called up, they get three weeks. If they struggle, they send them back down. Are they called up because there's an injury and there's no possible chance of them, unless they hit 500 or throw two shutouts in a row sticking around because they're just going to replace them with the guy that was hurt originally, or do they have the opportunity to gain playing time? Are they with a team to your point that has nothing, they don't have anything to block this player. Let's mm -hmm. give this guy the chance. Are teams that are in that scenario going to call the player up anyway, or are they going to slow play it thinking we have no chance to win this year? We don't think we're going to win next year. We're not starting this guy's service clock this year. So we're going to wait until August to call him up versus call him up now even though we don't have anyone better. So it's all of these moving pieces that are beyond the talent level of the actual player and the, the preparedness of the player that oftentimes determine what their value is in their first season. Yeah, I, I look, and, and we'll leave here after this, but I, I look at this year's slate of top rookies. You know, Jackson Holiday Ray, is considered can't miss. Yep. And like I said, most of these guys who've been number one have hit. You know, they've done well. Maybe it hasn't been perfect, but they've done well. But let's say Jackson Holiday gets off to a, you know, hitting 190 after a month and a half. Mm -hmm. Baltimore's expected to be a contender. They have a lot of other guys they can turn to. And Jackson Holiday, people, he's 20. So it's it's not a given, uh, but that would be one. Jackson Chirillo with Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. Now that's a case where maybe they just leave him out there. You know, the assumption is Milwaukee's more in a rebuild. The assumption is Milwaukee's not aiming for 90 wins this year. Um, and, and then some of the, like James Wood with Washington, Ray, mm -hmm. the Nationals rebuild. Mm -hmm. hey, like if James Wood gets called up or makes his team, my assumption, Ray, is outside of an injury, he's just playing every damn day. Like, what do you got to lose? Just play James Wood because it's time to see. And, and that's, you know, Washington's in a totally different spot from a team like Baltimore or the Yankees, um, a team like, um, you know, Houston or the L.A. Dodgers. I mean, those are teams that if guys fail, they move on. You know, they send them back to the minors. They put them on the bench, whatever. But these lousy teams, they'll play them. And, and James Wood's a perfect example. 
he should play Ray 120 games, I think, this year. And that's assuming he doesn't break with the club. If he breaks with the club, Ray, you could be looking at 135, 140 games for James Woods. Well, I think it's fascinating a name that you brought up beyond Woods is, is Jackson Churio because he's – don't forget, he signed an eight-year, $82 million contract. Yeah, he's up. He's up. He's up on day one. There's If he's ready on day one and he's only – he'll be 20 in March. 20 in March. Uh, if he doesn't, you know, strike out 42% of the time and bat 110 in the preseason, like how does he not make the team? You're paying him anyway. Might as well, you know, so that's a, a very unique scenario for him, uh, and which I think helps clarify things a lot, which is why if you're, you know, if you're in the I'm drafting a youngster pool, there's obviously risk with a 19 year old and, you know, how's he going to perform and all that. But I mean, his playing time situation appears to be as good as any of these other players in baseball because he's got the contract. Uh, it's It'll be fascinating to see how it plays out. We'll obviously cover all of this over at FantasyGuru.com. We'll adjust the rankings as information comes in. Uh, but yeah, this is, I thought it was really, I thought it was this year as I do every year, really important to get the rookie information out early. Cause I know people are doing drafts already and all that kind of stuff. And just make, make sure you read the history of MLB rookie production before, especially if you're in a redraft league, keeper dynasties are different, yeah. but if you're in a redraft league, make sure you read that and really think about what you want to do on draft day. Cause I think one of the mistakes people make is they grab all these guys, they walk away from the draft feeling great. And then two months into the season, their team is in the toilet because, you know, four of the six guys they drafted aren't even playing in the big leagues and the other two are struggling. Well, and it's also like just counting on those guys. It's, it, you know, we're all going to draft rookies. It's a 25, 30 round draft. You're going to have a rookie or two on there. Just make sure you have a backup if that rookie fails. You know, you can't draft Paul Skeens and say, OK, I'm set at pitching. You know, <laughs> you need other guys. Uh, to get you through that. So it's uh, also backloading those rookie selections. Uh, today is rookie day, as Ray termed it. Uh, the draft guide is live. Do check it out, fantasyguru.com. Uh, you can get it for $40 with FSD20 as your checkout promo code. Uh, we'll obviously have a lot more each and every day. We'll kind of touch on a few topics, maybe one or two, see what's going on in the news. Uh, we're about a month away from pitchers and catchers reporting, and uh, we here at Fantasy Guru, it's time for baseball. Time to get you set for 2024. So take advantage of the uh, opportunity and get locked and loaded for the season. Uh, Ray will be back tomorrow. Um, more football or baseball. Uh, we want to talk running backs, I know, kind of wrap up that position this week. So uh, we'll get rolling to 11 tomorrow, okay? Looking forward to it, Kyle. Ray there, Kyle here, you on the other side. Thank you so much for joining us. We will check in on Wednesday, 11 a.m. Eastern, right here, Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com.